0: Hi, this is Grace Revolution, course number two, lesson number thirteen, titled Once and For All. Enjoy. God, thank you. Thank you the bottom line. We don't trust on ourselves, but we trust on you. And in any situation, we know that you'll never let us down. And so, Father, I'm asking you tonight to once again use me in a a simple way, as Greg said, Lord, so that I can be of service to these precious people, Lord. Mm -hmm. And that uh, through through, uh, our participation, the Holy Spirit and I, uh, Lord, we can do something for this thing called grace this thing called Revelation, for this beautiful thing called Christian life. And so, Lord, thank you for your presence tonight. Amen. 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 Uh, um, right. Uh, the um, We have done 12 lessons in Grace Revolution. We finished the 12th one last week. Tonight, we start the 13th Grace Revolution, um, which is going to be a different title the other one was uh, the first one was uh, i don't remember but uh, it was an interesting title but this one this title this one is your new identity in christ okay and and we start with the with the first what i think possibly basic um, foundation stone for this thing called grace if we don't understand the concept of once for all, then we, we then we find it very difficult to contain the, the the enormity of grace. We need to understand these three simple words: once for all. The traditional teaching will tell you that you were a caterpillar hairy and ugly and, and, and fat and, and yucky and then you became a, you then you started spinning and cocoon and you became a pupa and then right and then you turned <clears throat> and you became a butterfly right that's a traditional teaching that has got no problems with the with 2 Corinthians 5 17 that says if you're in Christ you're a new creature okay we have no problem with that traditional teaching says you were a caterpillar you have metamorphosed into a butterfly. You're not a butterfly. The problem is, the next thing they say, the moment you mess up, <coughs> you're back to Caterpillar. Right? And that, and that is the problem, because the, 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 the once and for all concept, which is the, the one that we're sharing tonight, is the exact opposite of that. It, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Uh, traditional teaching will go this way. Yes, you are saved in Christ. Yes, you become a new creation. Yes, he forgives you all your sins. However, if you sin willingly, you lose your salvation. In other words, if you sin, sin willingly, you be, you go back to caterpillar. So the, the, that metamorphosis, that... That transformation that new creature in traditional teaching and and agree with me because that's 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 the way it is in traditional teaching that butterfly crunches back into the pupa and goes back into the caterpillar and up it pops over here with another trip toward becoming a new creature now there's a problem with that in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10 the Bible says by that will, he's talking about the will of God. Uh, he's talking about Jesus who obeyed the will of God to the cross. He's talking about the fact that he uh, uh, had his will revealed in the book. In the book it is written of me. I will do your will, God. He says, by that will, we have been... Now, he's talking... This is the writer of the, of the book of Hebrews. And he's talking to, to a bunch of... Uh, new Christians who are being pressurized by, uh, by Jews, by Hebrews, by Jews, to go back, yes, it's okay, it's okay to be saved, it's okay to follow Christ, it's okay to think that you're you saved, it's okay to think that you're a new creature, but you must still follow the law of Moses. This was the condition that these people uh, placed in this fellowship called Hebrews. Now, here comes Paul, maybe, or whoever it is, and he says, Wait a minute, but that will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, stop and think what does once? For all means. (coughs) Once. For all. Right? There is a process. We have seen in in one of our lessons. We have seen that salvation is not a a blade that, that drops from the sky and kawak! It cuts the old from the new. We've seen that it's a process. We've seen that it begins with a suggestion we seem that it begins with a seed and that we've seen that that seed can be kept can be nurtured or can be kicked out or can be can be doubted can, there's, there's a struggle and there's a and there's a there's a, pro, there's a process that happens to that seed that grows in our heart until eventually one day and we don't really know when and certain, usually it's usually is not the time when you pray when you pray the thirteen word prayer at the altar, repeat this after me, okay that is not it could be I'm not saying it is not but it's none of my business and it's none of anybody's business but God and the person all right but most of the time it's an emotional response most of the time it's it's a it's a hate response it's a pressure response by okay at the count of three I want you to lift your hand if you if you don't lift your hand you're gonna go to hell so one two three i'm going Heaven, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to, and there's that emotional response. And like I said, it could be the right thing, but most of the time it isn't because then you go back and you encounter your cousin who is an atheist and he starts hammering into everything that you have been told. And so now you fight and so and so there's a process by which eventually you knock off everything that is not right and you come to the point where you say your heart says okay i am trusting you god with this idea with this thing that jesus went to the cross paid for my sin died on my behalf went into the earth was buried grabbed me out of the earth where where the sin was and where the the curse was grabbed me and resurrected me with him once and for all I am prepared to put my trust on that and in that moment, and nobody knows nobody knows when only God knows not only you, not only I we don't know, I mean at this point in time, after 35 years I, I guess I know I see the fruits, I see the results, I know my heart. But right in the beginning, it's a process. However, once you have completed that process and you are now a new creature in Christ, there is no going back. There is nothing else that must happen. Now it's once for all. To give you an illustration, you're, in, you, you're here tonight, okay? once and for all. You, you went through a process, you left the house, you got in the car, you drove here, you got to the gate, you asked yourself where the heck is this guy and then you saw me arriving and you said okay here it is and you came into my house. Now what else must you do to be in my house? Nothing. It's once for all. There is no going out again because you're here. We're talking about a God who is eternal, and we're talking about a God that decides eternal things. So, the idea of um, of looking at uh, the idea of looking at this caterpillar that becomes a new creature, and I challenge you test every message that you hear. Sooner or later, Mm -hmm. you will hear, if you sin too much, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose your salvation. Mm -hmm. salvation. Mm -hmm. (coughs) And it's it's that crazy thing, we were were talking with Julia last night, (coughs) it's that crazy thing that denies the very simple biological fact that if I have a son, I have a son what once for all I can't go back and you know it's like Nicodemus that looks at Jesus and says how does one go goes back in his mother's womb which is very gross by the way but don't don't think about it don't don't, don't picture it all right but I mean here's a guy is a Jew is a Pharisee that that's touching Jesus <clears throat> And he's tasting, and, and Jesus is feeding him these morsels, and then he does a miracle, and then, and then, he, and then he glows in the dark, and then he says these beautiful words, and then, he, and, then he's, and then he's generous, and then he's wonderful, and then he's great, and then he's loving, and then he's. And Nicodemus, which is being brought up as a Pharisee, and that knows nothing about Abba, Father, you're not even, as a Pharisee, as a Jew, you're not even allowed to say God. You realize that still today the Jews write G dash D they're not allowed to say the the, 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 the word God because Moses commandment say you will not use the name my name in vain okay so because of that they have in mind this idea that they cannot Pronounce the name of God baby can you get me my glasses please I'm more upstairs on the sorry baby and uh, <clears throat> and all of a sudden here comes Jesus and he begins to say alright guys I'll tell you what from now on don't think of God as God think of God as father <laughs> what do you mean and here comes Nicodemus and he says you know what I love this idea of God be my father I, but I don't understand. See, and he's starting to nibble. He's not saved. He's starting to nibble. He's, he's, he's entering the process. And, he, and, he, and he's spinning the cocoon. And he's inside the cocoon. Remember that, the clip that I showed you about that big balloon that was being blown up. And the guy that was inside. And eventually the balloon exploded. And that's the thing. The moment that you touch eternity. Bang! Once and for all, you are saved. There is no going back to being a caterpillar. You understand that? That is is the beauty, that is the key of Christianity, is that I cannot lose what Jesus got for me. I cannot lose what Jesus got for me. The word (coughs) translated once for all in the... uh, I think I have another scripture that I want to share with you, but... Uh, translated once for all is the word in the Greek, in the original Greek in which the, the New Testament was written, is the word ephapax, which uh, is made out of epi, which means, which means upon, and apax, which means one time. So, epi is the epi, we use it in the word epicenter. It's the one thing that com- that determines everything. it's an epi, it's a pawn. it's the thing that sits on top of anything okay and now epi facts mean this is it basically this is once and once is not just once once. it's once for all. for all what? for all my sins. and that that is another this is another thing that. The teaching of grace will walk right over the toes of the majority of today's teaching because how can you have a relationship where you haven't done something and you're already forgiven. But I'm saying my question is this and maybe you can answer it for me. If I am born again and then according to traditional teaching, I sin and I lose my salvation. Does that mean that I'm now going to hell? Most of the teachers will say, no, you can be born again, again. So my question is this. If the Bible teaches that, the sin, that sin can only be wiped away with blood, Whose blood are we going to use now? Because if I, if Jesus gave His blood for my sin up to here, and then I stepped over, then we go into the crazy thing that people say, Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10 says, that you crucify the Lord again. And I'm going, so in other words, I have the ability to put Jesus on the cross again. We are, are you crazy? Are you, are you out of your mind? See, if one sacrifice, one shedding of blood, once Jesus enters into the holy place with His blood, and He goes to the Father and He says, Father, this is the sacrifice for the son of Adam. Forgive him. And the Father says, Done. Your blood is good enough. There's a thing that is called the first fruits. See, everything in the Old Testament is a is a, is a picture, is an image, is a shadow. Uh, tonight, I'm going I'm to read you a couple of words on a from a book of mine, talking about this concept. But it's a shadow of Christ. Everything, everything, from from uh, from the the tree of the goodness of uh, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, to the tree of death to the um, to the sacrifice of Abel to the sacrifice of Cain to the to the ark to Moses to Noah to to Leviticus to everything it's a picture of Christ because everything that God wanted to do with Israel was to give them an idea of who was coming look you see this lamb that you have to sacrifice at passover This is an image of my son, of Messiah. When Messiah comes, he will look like that. I'll give you an example. Uh, Leviticus, Leviticus 14. The cleansing of the sinner. Moses is instructed by God to tell Aaron that when a sinner comes to be cleansed, well, actually, when a leper, forgive me, my mistake, Leper comes to be cleansed, and leprosy is a a shadow of sin. When a leper comes to be cleansed, he says he must bring uh, a container, a clay container, a jug of water, two birds, a piece of wood, and a string, and a red piece of string. Okay, now this sounds like like the witch of... uh, you know making making the you know three lizards tongues and uh, and four but this is how G- this is how god is is talking to Israel, trying to explain what will Messiah look like, what must you understand about grace and so he says aaron when this, when the, when a leper comes, take one of the two birds. And tie it with the red string to the wood <coughs> now please understand that the word wood in the Hebrew is translated it's and it means wood it means tree it means stake and obviously it means cross that's why if you see in some translations Jesus hung from a tree or Jesus was nailed to the wood Because it's the same word. It's. Okay. So this piece of wood. It's an image. It's a shadow of the cross. That bird is a shadow of a sacrifice. It's tied to the piece of wood with a red string. Which is a shadow of the love of God. Of the love of that bird. Of the love of God. What happens? He says. Take that bird. Snap his neck. Cause while cause blood to flow, and pour on the other bird, pour the blood mixed with water into the clay container. Now, what was Adam made out of? Clay. Clay represents Adam. The water has always represented the word of God, the declaration of God. The blood of the sacrifice represents the blood of Christ. So the blood of Christ is poured on you in the in the understanding in the revelation of the Word of God in the clay container at that moment, Aaron says, "Set the other birds free, and that process will make the leper be clean be cleansed, and his leprosy will be healed now did they do anything to the leper? No, everything happened in that sacrifice, and so this is the this is the picture, this is the shadow of something that happens once and for all. Can you make that bird come alive again? No, you can't. The same way, if I lose my salvation when I sin, if I go along from caterpillar, become a butterfly, and now I'm a butterfly. I'm a once and for all butterfly, but but according to the traditional teaching, I sin, and so therefore I go back to my old nature. Have you heard this term, old nature? Right, right. Old nature doesn't even appear in the Bible. Have you heard the term sinful nature? Sinful nature. I challenge you. Does not appear in the Bible. Sinful nature has been a term that an NIV coined. Uh, some hundred years ago, when, the, when well, less than a hundred years, but when the NIV came into onto the market, they took the word "sarks," which is not the, the South African revenue of service, but it's, it means flesh, and that word that means flesh, it's been translated at the liberty of the translator into sinful nature. So all of a sudden, what do we have? When, when people preach from the pulpit and they say, you have a sinful nature, what, 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 that, what goes into your mind? I have to cleanse my sinful nature. And then you think, but wait a minute, I'm born again. Doesn't the Bible say that God gave me his nature? So how can I have a sinful nature and the nature of God inside of me? And, and all of a sudden, this confusion begins to take place. That, am I saved? Am I not saved? Must I get saved? Must I follow the law? Must I obey? Must I not obey? The flesh, what's the flesh? What's the sin? What's my nature? Am I okay? Am I not okay? God, what am I supposed to do? And God says, nothing. Are you a butterfly? You're a once and for all butterfly. You cannot go back, because if you go back, there is no coming forward again. No more blood is going to be shed on your behalf by christ he did it once for all romans chapter 6 and verse 10 says, says this the death that he died he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives he lives to god so there's this acquisition of me in christ it's interesting, Sunday morning, uh, Andres was, was, was preaching, and was talking about, uh, he had the sun at the back, and quite rightly, he said, uh, um, the holiness of God is not uh, actively pursuing you to kill you. But if you get too close to the holiness of God, like if you get too close to the sun, the sun burns you and kills you. So does the holiness of God and and something clicked in my head and I don't want to sound super spiritual, but it felt like the Holy Spirit said to me What is the what is the only thing that will not die when it gets too close to the Sun? Think The same stuff in which the Sun is made fire if you are made of the same substance, fire will get into the sun, will be very happy. Anything else, titanium, anything else, you put it into the sun, inside, it will be destroyed in, whew, in a second. But you take a flame and you put it in the sun, and it will be quite happy. Why? Because it's the same nature. How do you get close to God? you got the same nature. You don't have to wear an armor. You don't have to... You are a son. And a son is welcome in the presence of his father. And again, the biological... Uh, forgive me the Greek, but, but idiocy of thinking that you can be a son and then you sin and then you're not a son anymore. And my question is this. What can your son do in order not to be your son again? Can you do something? I have a son. His name is Malco. He's the best boy on earth. I love him desperately. He's been some, through some things. But you know what? While he was going through some things, he hadn't stopped being my son. He was not maybe a pleasing son. He was not maybe a hallelujah son. Maybe he was a son that created a little bit of apprehension in my Italian spirit. But he was a son. Because when you're a son, you are a son once for all. You can't go back. You cannot go back. My son, even if he wanted to, he can't. He cannot get his, my DNA and my wife's DNA out of his body. He is my son. He cannot go back. He's once and for all my son. Think about it. Don't allow religion to mess up your mind. Think rationally. Don't check your brains at the door before you, ch- you go into the church. Just because they say it from the pulpit, it's not necessarily true. Just because they pull it out of the Bible is not necessarily true. The Bible is not the Word of God. The Bible is a book. Jesus, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. So the Word of God is not the book. The Word of God is Jesus. And when Jesus speaks, He can use the Bible. Most of the time He does. But I'm sure if I were to go through each one of you, sometime he spoke to you without using the Bible. He spoke to you while you were driving. He spoke to you out of a sunset. He spoke to you out of a song. He spoke to you out of a friend that all of a sudden came up to you and said something and you went, ah, you're right. It's almost like you heard the voice of someone else speaking to you. But most of the time what he does, he intercepts accepts intercession. It's something that cuts across. The, the, the rationality of your usual thinking you 're thinking in this direction, and all of a sudden here comes mm. something that cuts into that train of thought: pray for that person or, or, or go do this or call your wife or, or do this or do that uh, and, and, and inter- that 's intercession that it cuts into the, your your train of thought, and all of a sudden you hear the voice of god so i 'm not saying god doesn 't use the Bible, he does, but you want to know. there are 40,000 more than 40,000 denominations in this world and there are 31,000 verses in the Bible so there's more denominations than verses in the Bible and you know why we have 40,000 denomination because everybody thinks they got the right revelation and this one this one (coughs) baptizes like this, this one baptizes like that, this one dunks him once, this one dunks him three times, this one dunks him three times in the name of Jesus, this one dunks him three times in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, this one dunks him once in the name of Jesus, this one sprinkles him. So I thought of creating this this whole uh, complete machine where you put all the Catholics and and the, and the um, Methodist on the side, and at the end you have, you have a big pool. So what you do is you take the guy that needs to be baptized, and you put them all on the side, and then you, then you, then you take another guy that needs to be baptized, and you throw him on the thing, he slides on the thing, and these get sprinkled, and the other one gets dunked. Yeah. So everybody's happy. And we are totally crazy. We're totally crazy because we got to the point where we think that water can actually take away sin. Amen. Amen to it. The the it's it's the blood of Jesus that takes away the sin. H2O, it's H2O. The thief on the cross proved that you can go to heaven without being baptized. Because your baptism is not in water, your baptism in Christ. We've been baptized in Christ. Paul says to the Romans, "We have been baptized in Christ and Peter says in the okay let's go now now once and for all so once for all means my past my present and my future are safe now how can that be I can be simply explained because who created time God right God, sadly enough, when Adam sinned in the garden, that was not eternity yet, but that's a long story. Uh, When Adam sinned in the garden, God said, I cannot let him eat of the the fruit of the tree of life, because if he eats of that in the situation in which he is, he will forever be like that. He will enter into eternity separated from me. So, I have to create a dimension wherein Adam can change his eternal destiny. And the only way that you can change anything is during time. So, so God pushed him out of the Garden of Eden and the moment Adam stepped into the new world, time started ticking. And that time is the only agent that will permit you to be born again. Because if you, when you are born, you are born in Adam. Mm-hmm. You need something that will give you the possibility of change. Eternity doesn't. Mm-hmm. Because in the understanding of eternity, who you are, you will always be. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm asking you a very simple question. When Jesus says in John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall never perish but have everlasting or eternal life. I want to ask you a question. How long is eternal? Because if we can stop over here it's not eternal. It's temporal. So the, the safety in eternity is once and for all. There is no other way. If it's not once and for all, it's not eternal. If it's not eternal, then it's temporal, and then you can take the Bible and throw it out the window because John 3:16 is not right. That's as simple as that. Grace makes is the only thing that makes sense. Nothing else makes sense. You try and putting in a little bit of law and a little bit of behavior and a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and you're stuck. Because what happens when you sin after you got born again? I don't know if you sin. And who determines weighs that line that says no? Now you've done too much. No, now that's it. Now, now that's it. Michael, please just tell Satan to go and fetch him. <laughs> who who draws that line? What is it? No, but if you if you sin willfully, my love, every sin you commit is 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 done willfully. Nobody forces you to sin. You know why? Because if they did force you, you wouldn't sin. Sin is based in your decision. Sin is based in your wills. You sin because you will to sin. There is no such a thing as a oops, I'm sorry, I went to bed with the wrong woman. Oh, oh by accident. By accident. Oh, oh shame is me. Oh oh what what did I do? Oh please. It's like Jacob, but the, next, the, the, the next morning after, after he went to, he, he expected to marry Rachel. But because he, because he was Jacob, he, you know, he got drunk as a skunk, and, uh, and the next morning he wakes up and he goes, now ah, Who are you? And Leah said, now, you need to understand that Rachel comes from the Hebrew word Rachal, which means to run. So Rachel means who she who has long legs. So Rachel had legs that started all the way from under the chin. Okay, she was a beauty. Now Leah, that Leah, the Leah, I don't know if you know any Leah. Forgive me if you know any Leah, but that Leah in the Old Testament meant <laughs> meant cows eyes. Cow's eyes. cow's eyes. cow's eyes. Big big eyes. Cow's eyes. Yeah. Cow's eyes. Yeah. Big eyes, big big, big round Cow. cow's eyes. So you got, you want to go to bed with long legs and you wake up with cow's eyes, you have a fat man. <laughs> no wonder that Jacob went a little bit uh, ballistic in that situation. Okay. But 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 while we're talking about it, parenthesis. Imagine if Jacob threw Leah at the tent and, and, and he blamed God for the wrong turning out of his marriage. Jesus would not have been born. Mm -hmm. Because Judah wasn't the son of Rachel. He was the son of Leah. Mm -hmm. Jacob, they don't want to marry Leah. But God said, Jacob, my boy, tomorrow they're voting you out of the government anyway, so... Just a... Amen. <laughs> Amen <laughs> to that. Couch, 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 Couch? Couch. <laughs> so, okay. So, who created time? God created time. So, as far I, I gave you the illustration some time ago, where this is a line, okay, and we going we going backwards at the speed of 60 seconds a minute. 60 minutes, another an hour, 24 hours a day, and we can't change it. We can't slow it down. We can't accelerate it. We can't stop it. Okay, some women say, "How old are you?" 35 for the 10 years, but uh, you can't stop it. Okay, life carries on. Some men do that too. But God, the, God jumps up on over here and he sees the whole thing, past, present, and future. So to him, it's not. A fleeting vision of my past that is going away in my memory and nothing about my future I know nothing about what's going to happen I know whats I know where I am I know nothing behind me and I have a fleeting understanding of what has gone past but God is not like that to him past present and future are the same and so what happens once and for all he takes your sin He puts it on the cross, and once and for all, your sin is forgiven, and your sin is taken away. (laughs) Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, and He nails it to the cross once and for all. Now, let me give you a piece of advice about this, because this might help you. How come, sometimes, you hear that voice that you think is your conscience, or you, saying, there you go, you did it again, and you call yourself a Christian. Once again, you did it again. You know why? Because God took the original, in the book of Colossians, Paul calls it the Documa, the original document of your sin and nailed it to the cross. But your enemy, the devil, made photocopies. Mm-hmm. So every now and then he comes and he waves before your eyes, this is who you are. And all you have to do is say, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what I'd like to say, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a Greek expression. So. <laughs> And uh that's not me. And this is where you need to understand the once and for all concept. Because if you don't understand the once and for all concept, he comes and he shows you that thing, and he goes, and you go, Yeah, you're right, man. I'll tell you something. I need to fast more, I need to, I need to be more sanctified, I need to, I need to. Go, I, you know, that Bible study, I need to, I need to ask Mary if you can do it every night, because I need, really, I need, I need to get, and then we say, I need to get close to God. Have you don't tell me that, but have you ever said, I need to get close to God? How much closer do you want him to get? He's in you, you're in him. Why? Because it's that thing that the devil says, you know, good enough. It's not once and for all it's once for a little bit of time but now you must keep it going you must come on come on exercise come on spiritual exercise put on the armor of god every morning put on the sandals put on the armor why did you take it off why the heck did you take it off you you are in christ his armor is on you why do you don't take it you can't in any case because if you take out the helmet of salvation there you go then you're not saved so what are we talking about? Spiritual gymnastics, they don't mean anything. And the understanding of this whole thing is, I have been forgiven once for all. I'm not going back to being a caterpillar ever again. I am a butterfly. I might be a bit of a goofy butterfly, maybe, but I'm a butterfly. I'm not going back to being a caterpillar the metamorphosis has taken place I am a child of God mm-hmm. and we and we sing it and we say it and then the devil comes and he waves okay. the photocopy in our face and we say oh man and daddy's saying yeah that's exactly how you behave that's not who you are you are sanctified. You have been made perfect in my son. You are perfect in my son. Will you stop allowing the devil to lie to you and convince you that you still got to do something to add to the blood of my son? And if you start off that way, you will see the change. The change. Don't, don't Lift your hand. But how many of you have tried to change some aspects of your character? Don't lift your hand. How many of you have tried to stop smoking? How many of you have tried to stop drinking? How many of you have stopped? Okay, let's leave it there. How many of you? I just tried to do something. Did it? Had to go. Not too well. Did it? So why can't we allow the Holy Spirit inside of us to do what He came to do? Which is changes. I love you so much that I don't want to leave you like that. I love you so much that I'm going to grab you by the hand and take you to the places where you need to be. And if I have to slap you every now and then, I'll slap you every now and then. And if I have to cause you to fall off your bike i or your mule, I'll cause you to fall off your mule. I'll do everything that I can to make sure that you understand my love, my presence, my favor, my smile, my character, my personality, my sacrifice. That is the relationship that God longs to have with us. And He can only have it if we understand that He's forgiven us once and for all. Amen. Now, Hebrews 10. 1 2 3 says this for the law having a shadow of the good things to come a shadow this this verse of Scripture is the verse that inspired me to write a book called Shadowland all the shadows of Christ in the Old Testament Um, which is available at amazon.com for a small donation of four ninety nine dollars thank you okay back to the anointing Um, Having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices, can never how many times? Never, never. can never, with the same sacrifice, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. That traditional teaching of you behaving properly and then losing your salvation and then getting back in the end and behaving properly, and it can never make you perfect you understand that? Because even when you are supposedly OK, there's always in the back of your head the fact that what's going to happen next time I sin. because boy, you can count on it. You can count on it. The moment you start sinning it's when you did. And that's why the solution for sin. is not the Bible. It's not good behavior, it's not willpower, it's death, once and for all. And Paul says to the Romans, consider yourselves dead in Christ. But we'll tackle that another time. I just want to leave you with this little nugget. How many of you have ever heard the, 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 the expression, you need to die to self? Right? You need to die to self. Number one, never appears in the Bible. Number two, I want to ask you something. What did Jesus say when He told the young ruler to follow Him? He said, follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? What have you done when you become born again? You, you picked up his cross and you followed him to the cross. Mm. And Paul says, I, my old man, has been crucified in Christ. That old self has been crucified. You don't need to die. If you're a Christian, you're dead. Your old self is dead. Mm. But the devil will wave the certificate of birth in your face and will say, No, 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 he's not dead. He, he is, he's alive. And Paul says, consider yourself dead in Christ. You died in Christ. The gospel is not only he died for you. That's only half of it. The complete gospel is, I died in him. He died for me, but I died in him. And that's why I can stand here and I can say, you know what? The cure for my son is death. I am dead to that thing. When that thing shows up, I must understand it's not me. Paul calls it a parasite. Paul calls it that thing that works in my members. And you know it's true. You know it's true. You know you don't want to do it. You know you don't want to do it. You know you hate yourself. But that thing is like a parasite that whispers and suggests and tugs and pulls and creates, and does, and thinks. It's a parasite. It's not you! Okay, let's carry on. <laughs> you thought I was tired, eh? Okay. <laughs> Can never, with the same sacrifices which shall offer, continue year-by-year, year, make those who approach perfect. For then, would they not, they being the people who went to offer the sacrifice, they would not. would they not have ceased to be offered, For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. The very understanding of the traditional teaching that says that you must repent of your sin every time, creates and generates that kind of thinking. Your consciousness is always based on your sin, never on your righteousness. Because there's a reminder every year of the fact that your sin was covered, what? Temporarily. Not once and for all. In other words, what happened? This, this is a stinking mollusk. It's a stinking whatever. Sin, muscle. Stingy, it's a stinging white muscle. Going to New South Africa is a stinging grey muscle. <laughs> okay. Now this is what happened in the Old Testament. This is what happened there. This is what happened when they took the sacrifice to the to the high priest and the high priest laid his hands on that goat, and, and now we're going to talk about it, and released it in the wilderness. This the word kapar means to atone to cover that's why the kaporet, kapar, retoth, kapar kaporet is the seat of mercy is the seat that covers Where God says to Moses on that in that place I will meet with you and I will talk with you from that place so in the Old Testament the sin of Israel The sin of of us was covered by the blood of that sacrifice, by the blood of the goat. But at the end of the year, you took away the sin, you took away the the caporet, and the sin was still there. Why? Because it was not taken away once and for all. Every year there was a sacrifice that reminded the people of the fact that they were cleansed, once and for all. So now, let me read a couple of pages from my book, and we'll talk about it. Leviticus 17.11 states, the life of the flesh is in the blood. I'm talking about, this is the chapter that talks about the the scapegoat. What happened is that... uh, uh, the scapegoat was a goat, obviously. And we still, we still have the same understanding of the word. Scapegoat is someone that takes the blame, right? Now, uh, the high priest would go to the tabernacle with two goats. One for Jehovah and one called Azazel. Now the one for jehovah would be sacrificed and the blood would be sprinkled in the in the in the holy in the most holy place to 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 cover for the sins of the of the of the high priest the azazel would be would be taken to the to the high priest and the high priest would lay his hands on the goat and declare all the sins of israel for that year on the head of that goat now I don't know about the sins that he didn't remember, but that's the way it goes. Okay? On and go. Then by the hands of a chosen man, that goat will be released into the wilderness and take away the sin of Israel for you. That was the that is what we're talking about. So now, Leviticus 17:11 states the life of the flesh is in the blood. Incidentally, this verse of Scripture is the reason why Jehovah's Witnesses forbid their members to have blood transfusions. And why is that? Simple. They are looking at the shadow and not at the substance. You can keep all the blood that you want in your body, one day you're going to die. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. With all your blood in the body, no problems. Okay. Jehovah's Witnesses will not pass blood from one person to the other because they say that that, 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 is, a, that is a sin that will cause death. Why? Because they're looking at the shadow and not of the substance, which is Christ. The only way they can stay alive by the blood is by receiving the blood of Christ in you. And then you're okay, once and for all. Let's continue reading. And I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Let's look now at the shadow that led Moses, the writer of Leviticus, into such a statement. In Leviticus chapter 16, the Bible describes Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. From verse 4, he, Aaron, shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body, and shall be girded, girded with a linen sash, and with a linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body with water and put them on. This is also a shadow that has been appropriated and misinterpreted by another cult. The Mormon priests go into the modern-day temple, dressed like that. They are stuck with the shadow and cannot see the substance. The the modern Mormon priests will dress in linen, in white linen, because they think that that represents the righteousness of God in Christ. (coughs) If you were stinking before you put on the linen, you'll stink after you've taken off the linen. Okay? It's not the linen. It's the righteousness of Christ. The whiteness of the righteousness in Christ. That, well, that, that is what, what these garments Represented. Linen, represented. of course, is a type and shadow of God's required righteousness, without which one cannot enter the temple of His presence. This type of righteousness, however, cannot be put on with clothing, but you can only receive it by faith through Christ. through 2 Corinthians 5.21. Now let's go on reading. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids, not children, two goats, uh, two kids of the goats as, as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, basically the lots, the Urim and the Thummim, okay, I'll tell you now, but basically they were dice. D- okay, uh, there were there were two. Okay. Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Once a year, on a special day called Yom Kippur, the high priest presented himself before the Lord God Jehovah Adonai. Certain very clean and very definite precaution, precautions, very clear and very definite precautions, had to be taken in order for his personal sin to be atoned by sacrificial blood of the of all the high priest, was as good as dead. Okay, even, even him couldn't go into the presence of God without sacrificial blood. No sin can survive before, before perfect holiness. Perfection requires nothing less than perfection to satisfy its demands. See, this is where you lose contact with religion. Because nothing short of perfection can satisfy satisfy perfection. It's Like nothing short of fire can survive in the sun. Nothing. So, that's why sin had to be covered, atoned for, made invisible in the face of absolute purity. You cannot come into God's presence if you're not covered by the blood of the required sacrifice. You cannot spend eternity with God. In fact, you cannot survive a nanosecond in His presence unless you are purified by sinlessness itself. God is not mean to cast anyone into hell. Hell was not made for people. It was made for Satan and his angels. But if you don't accept the divine sacrificial requirement of perfect and absolutely faultless blood as your atoning atoning key to perfection, you simply cannot make heaven. No one can carry sin, man's imperfection, into God's holy presence and the only possible alternative is a place where holiness is not. And that's hell. But let's pick up the story again. After Aaron the high priest went behind the veil and offered the blood of the bull for himself, he came out of the tabernacle and two goats would be given him. One was to be the goat for Jehovah and the other was to be Azazel or the goat of escape. The high priest had with him the lots, two stones called the Urim and the Thummim, which literally, literally meant fire and perfection, or fire and truth. Now, can you see what those two stones, fire and truth, were a shadow of? The Holy Spirit and the Word. Right? In those days, they used the lots, the Urim and the Thummim, to hear the choice of God. This day, we use the Holy Ghost to hear the voice of God. Okay? Okay? Just as today, today's Christians are led by the Word of God, Revelation, and the Spirit of the Heavenly High Priest, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, so in those days the people were led by the Urim and the Thummim of the earthly High Priest. The high, pri- the high Priest would then throw the lots on the ground in front of the goats like dice. Two of the same mark meant yes, two different marks meant no. He would then assign one as the Lord's goat and the other as the scapegoat. The goat for the Lord would be sacrificed and his blood taken by the high priest behind the veil as a sin offering for the tabernacle himself and the people. Then the high priest would lay both his hands on the head of the other goat, confess all the people's sins over it, and send it into the wilderness by the hand of a chosen man, another shadow of Jesus, and as we'll see later, to be set free there. The sacrifice was so representative of the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that it required two animals and two men instead of just one each. Let's see why. Starting with the two men, we don't have much difficulty in seeing that the shadow of Christ is in the person of the high priest. Over and over, the Bible describes Jesus as our high priest. Hebrews 3.1, therefore, Holy Brethren Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. 4.14, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. 6.20, Jesus having become the high priest forever. The second man was the chosen man, who took the scapegoat into the wilderness to be set free. Two scriptures confirm his identity. Matthew 12.18, behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. In Isaiah 42.1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one. These two scriptures tell us that the man is, that that chosen man is none other than God's servant, his chosen Messiah, Jesus the Christ. So again, this man is the shadow, Christ is the substance. Now for the animals. The first animal was to be sacrificed on behalf of the people. Do you remember a certain high priest by the name of Caiaphas in John 11 that said, who declared, speaking of Jesus, that it would be expedient that a man died instead of the whole nation? And this he did by the Spirit of God? So prophetically, Caiaphas declared that that man that would die for the whole nation would be that goat that would die for the whole nation. So we have identified the first goat. The first goat is a shadow of our Lord Jesus Christ. It represents Jesus in his death, because his goat was the one that died for Jehovah and whose blood was offered to Him behind the veil. Hebrews 9, 11 and 12. Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. He entered the most holy place. How many times? Once for all. Having obtained eternal redemption. How long? Eternal redemption. So, He entered into the place how many times? Once for all. Having obtained how long a redemption? Eternal redemption. Now, I really honestly don't think that's difficult. Okay? Anyway, let's go. The second goat instead was the one that went away free. That goat too was the shadow of Jesus. Jesus in His resurrection. For it was in Christ's death and resurrection that sin was taken away, thereby freeing mankind of its penalty, as it was that goat upon whose head the sins of Israel were confessed that took him away from the people. So the two goats of the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, represented Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. The one covered the sin with His blood, the other took it away altogether. Christ is finished work. So... Between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, according to the story, we have the Old Covenant that says that sin comes. I purify myself year after year after year through a sacrifice. Once the year is up, sin comes back. Right? Then I purify myself again. This is your... This is your traditional teaching. I do the purification, be it in confession, be it whatever it is, be it, I don't know how you do this thing. Uh, I really honestly don't know how you do this thing. You you, you get born again and then you lose your confession, your, your 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 salvation. So now you, you confess it again, all right? So you confess your sin and you say, I'm sorry. So God says, yeah, okay, okay, I'll let you in again. So you come back in again and then next week, same thing again. So it's go Ah, gee, I'm, I'm, this time I'm really sorry. Okay, I'll let you in again, and this goes on and on and on and on and on until one day God says, "No, you know what? That's it. Now you've done it. That's one too many. That's a back to caterpillar." Mm-hmm. That was the way that it worked in the Old Testament. Okay, mm-hmm. they, they sinned, they went, they took the scapegoat, an image of Christ, took away the sin for one year. The year is up. The year is finished. Sin comes back, I'm back again for the new cleansing. The New Testament, we've read it over and over again, it's once for all. So that picture of Jesus Christ in the two goats will not be repeated next year, because He entered into the holy place once for all. And like I said before, even Peter says, Christ in 1 Peter 3 18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So the uh, the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is that in the old covenant you had to go to the high priest once a year and present a sacrifice. And another question that I want to ask you here. Who or what got inspected by the high priest when the sinner came with the sacrifice? Who got inspected? The sinner or the sacrifice? Sacrifice. So, if Jesus was accepted, He was accepted, once for all. The perfection of the sacrifice. See, the goats, the bulls and the goats, and the, and the, and the blood of the heifers, and the, the, and the, was not enough to take away the sin of humanity once and for all. But the blood of Christ was. That's why He said He presented Himself, once and for all, to the Father, with the sacrifice of his blood, and that was enough to acquire eternal redemption for humanity. I hope that from tonight on you will not allow the enemy of your soul ever again to come and remind you, in inverted commas, of who you are. Because if you have been cleansed (coughs) once and for all, you've been cleansed once and for all. If you have been forgiven once and for all, now I'm going to drop a bomb. You don't need to be forgiven again. If you're seeking for forgiveness, it means it hasn't clicked that God has forgiven you once and for all past, present and future Why do we tackle sin in our lives? We tackle sin in our lives for our own benefit because you know it and I know it as a Christian when you got that sin weighing on your shoulder you can hardly walk, your life is a mess there are consequences of sin that Sunday is heavy. Even Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, come on, let's, sorry, the writer of Hebrews to the Hebrews, he says, let's run with endurance the race that he said before on getting rid of our sin, which so easily beset us. Why? Because you can't run if you've got the stuff attached to you. But it's you, not God. God sees you forgiven, cleansed, purified, sanctified, we read it in the book of Hebrews, made perfect, we read it once and for all. So Mario, when I sin, mustn't I say, sorry Lord? You can say anything you want. But that's not going to make you forgiven. Because you're forgiven. you're, You're your little exercise in futility is not going to change the mind of God. God's going to say, Excuse me, I didn't hear. I didn't hear. What did you say? You don't mean it. I'm sorry. You don't mean it. No, Lord, I'm really sorry. I, d- I don't know. What, say that again. I didn't. Nah. I need some sacrifice here. I need some penance. And you know, basically, <coughs> basically, uh, evangelicals, protestants, uh, uh, pentecostals, uh, charismatics, they haven't changed much the idea of the Catholic Church, because what the Catholic Church, the Catholic guy, actually they got it very easy, because all they do is they do what I want, and then once a week, once two weeks, once a month in my life, once a, once a lifetime, in my, you know, the, the way I use it, you go into the box, there's that box, the, the the guy on the other side in the dark pulls the little curtain and says, um, what can I do for you, my son? And, uh, and you say, I'm not your son, but uh, <laughs> but uh, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And that's it, what you say, you start off with that, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. So immediately the, remem- the reminder of sin, bangs, ca- hits you again. And back again you are Caterpillar. Again. So you tell him what you've done. He, he listens very carefully because confession was born out of the need of the Catholic Church to keep control in the in the in the in the courts and in the in the kingdom and. The, in the families and in the business and in everything they they knew everything that was going on so the priest knew exactly what this was doing with that and what that was doing with that and this. so you can imagine the power of the, of the of the church so we've changed that now and instead of going to the priest inside a wooden box we go to box to we go to we go to God inside our uh chamber what in uh, our our secret chamber huh and we, we go there and we ask forgiveness of God. We say, all right, God, I do I have to do penance? <laughs> we do. We do. Think about it. We do. <laughs> Inside our head, we think that we need somehow to produce something that will make God sorry enough for us so as to give us that forgiveness. So I'll tell you what. I'll give more money to the church. I'll do my, my... um... It's almost like bargaining. Huh? It's almost like bargaining with God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what religion is. Religion is based on bargaining. I do something for you, you do something for me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, 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 and basically we've changed, we've changed that from, from man to man to God, from man to God, and we, we, but the same thing is, it's the same thing. I'm not convinced that Jesus Christ's blood cleansed me of my sin once and for all. And because I'm not convinced, I think that that thing can hit my heart again, hit my spirit again. Can it damage my life? Of course, I don't have to tell you that. sin can damage your life since consequences are deadly. Sin will not allow you to live a, a peaceful life uh, and, a, and, a, and a happy life and a joyful life because sin will, uh, he, will weigh heavily upon you until you get rid of it. That's why the, the understanding of the power of sin is very simple. Anything that has power is in the dark. The moment you take it out and you put it in the light, it loses its power. That's, about, that's, that, 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 that's the understanding of forgiveness. When I come to you and I ask you for forgiveness honestly and truly and 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 from the bottom of my heart, I am passing the ball to you, not not my business anymore I have put in I have done this, I messed up, I am sorry, please but not 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 ah, yeah, well, you know yeah, well, if you push me or you no, no, honestly, from the bottom of my heart i'm sorry, I am sorry, I hurt you even even though uh, I think that I have some some extenuating circumstances. I'm asking you to forgive me because I want this thing out. And so I take it and I put it into the light and the light of the, of the truth will kill it. And I will walk free. Now then is your choice to take that thing and use it against me again. It's your choice to, to take that thing and let that thing rot inside your mind again by thinking every time. But if you have enough, Spiritual understanding that when God says, I have forgiven you, He has forgiven. Then, what you do is you basically behave like your father. And I'm not saying that the feeling will not try and come back. That is science fiction. Or that it's easy. Or that it's easy. No, it's not easy. Not easy. But I can assure you that it gets easier. You start putting it into practice you'll see how easy it gets every time it gets easier in everything but there you have it my purpose tonight and I'm done was to try and convince you that as in the Old Testament things that had to happen year after year after year after year and then the sin came back and then it has to change and that is exactly what the traditional teaching in the church today and for a long time has been that we have to Yes, we knew new creatures, but we knew new creatures up to a certain extent. If we sin too much, then we go back to the caterpillar. And you must remember that the, the transformation that happens in the spirit of man is once and for all. And there's no going back. All my sins have been forgiven. I've been sanctified, I've been purified, I've been perfected in Christ, I am a child of God. Now, it's in my interest to listen to my dad. And the and the cleaner I am, the easier it is for me to hear. And the more joy I will have, the more happiness I will have, the more peace I will have, and the more everything else will come. But inside of me, boy, you can... You can tell me what you want, but inside of me is the perfection of Christ residing right in here. I have been forgiven once and for all. And so are you, and so, are you and so are you, and so are you, and so are you, and so are you, so are you, so are you, so are you you, you, you have been forgiven once and for all. Amen.